1: If I could take all the things that you guys have learned over the last 10 years and just summarize them, put them in some way to easily digest them and take action, that's what this book is all about. You're not going to want to miss it. Go to WealthWithoutWallStreet.com forward slash new book and get your copy today. What if everything goes to hell in a handbasket and I cannot pay my premiums? Russ, how many times have you heard that over the years?
0: Uh,
1: Today? This year? <laughs> last year? <laughs> From everybody.
0: Well, I think that that has happened. It, it definitely, I think it happens early on in the researching of this process. It's not so much when somebody becomes a client, but early on, I do think that that's a concern.
1: In today's uh, roundtable discussion, we're going to discuss all the different reasons why that may have come up. We're talking about solutions, and ways that we can kind of put some of those fears at ease. What else kind of stuck out to you today?
0: Well, I think one of the things from this is hearing all the different coaches' point of view is always great because they're the one speaking to you as you're asking these questions on a daily basis, and I think their responses were perfect. There was lots of different reasons why those thoughts come to mind. One of my thoughts, and I don't think I got a chance to share this on the podcast, but when we think about this is our savings component right and the reality is is the likelihood of us going from all our income to zero income is pretty minimal right i know that that's always a fear and it's a fear that we can overcome when we create passive income when our we have actually more assets uh, producing income than our what well, we're just our one solo dependent job that we have and so then we start to remove the fear of not having any income. But what I would say is that what's the likelihood that we're going to go to zero income, probably pretty, pretty small. So what we're really trying to consider is, are we going to lose 100% of what we can save?
1: And I would even say with that
0: is probably pretty small.
1: Well, at the end of the day, what you're getting at Russ is people that don't save at all will never start the infinite banking process. So if you already are in that boat, you already have a surplus, you're already on the path of financial freedom, you're implementing this, you're going to be saving. So I just, I feel like today you're going to walk away with some really tactical things, but also I think the biggest thing is challenging the way that you think. And I think Nelson would be proud of it because he's always about, it's all about how you think. Why don't we just jump into this episode and belly up?
0: Welcome into the IBC Roundtable where we go deep every single week into your favorite subject, the infinite banking concept. You get to hear from not only myself, but the best coaches in the infinite banking community right here. So I want to introduce to you, to my right, the Italian stallion, Mr. Joey Murray. What's up, Joey? Hey, hey, glad to be here. Joey, looks like you got something growing on your face there.
1: Dude, it's no-shave November. Everybody's doing it. Uh, I look like a fungus. I mean, honestly, <laughs> the, what? Well, I just didn't know what it was. I was just trying to Dude, figure it out. Dude, three out of five of us have the beard going. I, I don't, I mean. No. Two
0: out of the five of us have a beard going. One of us has something <laughs> that if you put milk on, a cat could lick off.
1: <laughs> now you sound like my dad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. I won't, I won't. I want to keep this discussion going. I want to get deeper into this discussion today because we're talking about what if I can't pay my premiums. Before we do that, let's introduce the rest of our coaches. To your right, we got the Indiana Jones of Finance, Mr. Ernie Brown. What's up, Ernie? How are you? Hey,
2: Russ. Good. Glad to be right here right now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What's the group that's the, I'm trying to think of the, the right here, right now? The song?
2: Yeah. Couldn't tell you. Uh, jay could tell us guarantee it
0: yeah you know what you know it's what i'm talking about it's got a little little dance music yeah all right back to our coaches (laughs) i'm distracted today i got a little coffee in me and this is gonna be a fun day we've got the mr incredible the man who can hold a hamburger and a financial strategy and help you get home mr jd hill what's up jd
3: Man, I'm not holding a hamburger. That's what's up, but everything else is good.
0: Yeah, you've already had that hamburger.
3: I did, I did. It had some carnitas on top of it, too. It was fantastic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and lastly, but not least, least, our resident pilot, the man between two bamboos, Mark Haraguchi. What's up, Mark? Hey, guys. Uh, two weeks off. It's great to be back.
4: And by the way, I had to Google it. It was Jesus Jones who...
0: Sang
4: that song right here, right now. There, there
0: you, you go. go. Man, I love that song. I couldn't sing another word out of it, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> that is gonna be the theme song for the next round table as as we enter into this. And by the way, if you're if you're not available to watch this live or recording, it's because you're not in our inner circle and you need to be. Go to welterwellwallstreet.com forward slash inner circle and join the fun so you can not only see us live and people making fun of each other, but also participate in the discussion that happens right after this podcast every single week. And you can get your questions answered from each one of these coaches live. And that I'm telling you, that is just an amazing opportunity for you to understand infinite banking.
1: All the cool kids are doing it.
0: Uh, every cool kid. Absolutely. All right. So the question at hand today is, what if I can't pay my premiums? And this is a very common question. And I, I want to ask each one of you um, why that question comes up in your eyes. So, Ern, we'll start with you. What do you think is the is the thought process behind that question when you receive it?
2: Yeah. Well, it comes up a lot, and it just makes me think. This week, I was working with someone, and we were approved for a policy about to start, and that question came up. I was like, well, that. Interesting timing for you to be asked. I thought <laughs> I thought it'd come up a little sooner. <laughs> okay. But she's brave enough to ask. And so it made me think about her. I asked her, well, what what are you trying to do? And for her, she's really trying to quickly replace her income so that she can stop working. Ultimately, she wants to be able to spend time with her uh, with her grown daughters. Uh, across, they're spread out across the country. And so she needs to replace her income. And so I was saying, well, is there ever a, a scenario where Uh, If you do that, you're not going to have income. And and I asked her, well, at what point are you going to potentially want to stop paying premium, or when do you think you won't be able to? And she said, well, what if I'm 70? I said, okay, well, if you're creating passive income at age 70, let's look at this policy that we're going to create. It's going to be 15 years old at least, and we look down and and we pay the the base premium at that point, and it creates way more access to cash than she puts in and. So her looking at that kind of eased her, her fears. But uh, for me, I don't know if that answers your question, but that was a conversation I had this week and it came up at the end of the process. We are able to answer in relationship to what she's going to be doing with the policy.
0: I like that. How about you, Mark? Why do you think that question comes up? From, from, from some of the, the people
4: I've spoken with, it, it sounds like there's that little devil's advocate that, that's speaking up. You know, what about this? What about that? What if I lose my job? You know, what if there, there's you know a COVID thirty eight, you know, extra strength nineteen. Um, <laughs> there's, there's always there's always those concerns, and and I, I some people would say it's a scarcity mindset. Other people would say, well, it's being prudent because we want to know our options. You know, a lot of people like to know their options, and so if if we can equip you with those options and educate you that there are options available to you, well, now we know that there are multiple paths forward. And then now we get back to what Ernie said of what ultimately are we trying to achieve? And when we know that we know the destination, okay, now we can help carve out a path to that destination.
0: Mm, I love it. J.D., what's your thoughts on that?
3: That was very well said, Mark. Um, I think, I think uh, when, when people are asking that question, what they're really trying to process through is, you know, flexibility, right? Like you know, options. Yes. And in addition to, to options, but like, how flexible is what I'm getting into, right? Do I have the flexibility to to put premiums in or, you know, can I not put them in? Like, like what are the options with regards to that flexibility as I set this up? Because this isn't like a traditional bank account, right? Although it's very similar, uh, but there, there are some, some, some key differences. Uh, and so I think they're just wanting to understand uh, what those are as it relates to, you know, the alternative here, which, which is an infinite banking policy.
0: Mm. What do you think, Stallion? Why is that question coming up?
1: I think, uh, well, and actually, you know, Jay Elliott's in here in the the inner circle with us, and he's mentioned fear. I think fear is what drives that a good bit because it's a commitment. Like, people feel like it's a commitment.
0: Well, when I think of that fear, right, and I think of an example of the black swan, what is the situation, the worst situation you can think of? And the one that I could come up with is that you – you have zero income. You, you have income and then you have no income.
1: Gosh, it sounds so familiar. You know, like I feel like I've heard this story before. Like in my own life, when I went from making well over 300000 a year as a mortgage loan officer and branch manager to saying, man, you know, there's this guy, Russ, and I feel like I need to follow him and we need to start a business together <laughs> And um, I was having this conversation with my wife, actually, who was pregnant with our fourth daughter and literally still had $60,000 in premiums that I was paying. Mm. So I am the black swan, apparently. (laughs) Go from $300,000 to zero income and still having to pay premiums of $60,000 a year. And uh, all I can tell you is, I had some of those same questions up front. Like, what what are my options if I can't pay premiums? And at that point, you know, I'd been paying into my premiums for four years. I had significant cash values that I could borrow from to pay the premiums. And it really worked out to, uh, to my benefit to have those premiums or those policies in place in order to launch me into a new career. I otherwise probably would have never done.
0: Well, and I think we keep harping on this, but it, continuing to talk about it and hear it from different ankles, angles, I think will help us understand this a little bit better. We said before that the best life insurance policy, Ernie, you could possibly purchase is if you put $100,000 in or 10000 or a million, whatever your number is, and the insurance company would give you a death benefit of what?
2: About a dollar, <laughs>
0: a dollar, right? That's what we said. Well, it
2: stretches my mind.
0: Yeah. Well, but why? Why are we talking about that? Why do we say the best policy we could absolutely buy is when we can put in ten thousand, hundred thousand, $100,000, a million dollars and only get a one dollar death benefit?
2: Well, I think the straight up answer is well, it makes us consider that there's a lot more going on here than just the death benefit.
0: That's right. And when because when we think of death benefit, what usually comes to our mind?
1: Death.
0: <laughs> well, in relationship to buying insurance, we're thinking about it like an asset or a liability? A liability. Right. An expense. An expense. And so that, to me, that is where that fear creeps in. Because when, I think some people would look at you, Joey, and say, man, how could you make a decision with th- your life as big as you did, and go from making money to zero and still having these life insurance policies where you're not fearful of them going away, but you knew that there was a tool in there. You knew that there was cash and that it was more like a checking account than it was simply uh, an expense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I knew that the long-term asset that I was building was worth taking and borrowing essentially to keep it afloat while I was waiting on income to catch back up.
0: Well, it wasn't like it was a $5,000 a month, you know, uh, Lambo payment or something. <laughs> you know,
1: I mean, you
0: know th- this, this money, you talked about having a $60,000 a year premium at the time. I mean,
1: it, I did have the Avalon though. <laughs> I mean, are we talking Avalon, the Toyota Avalon or Lambo? It wasn't Lambo, but it was yeah. close. Isn't that
4: I, the, I mean, the hairstyle weird. from Zoolander? <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm glad you got that beard on today because I don't think they'd <laughs> lay in the Abbey uh, before with that beard. All right, so let, let's talk about that, though. I mean, wh- what are some other things that come up as, as to, wh- why, to get, why do people get fearful uh, about paying premiums? Where, could, where else could that come from?
1: I think people are going online. They hear about infinite banking, and they, they go and they start researching. And what inevitably happens, they start hearing people, one, that don't practice this in any way, shape or form, just giving their two cents and they start saying, well, you know what, if you stop paying premiums on this and uh, you've borrowed any money out, now you're going to have tax liability. And so that's that's a bad thing. You never, this is a scam. Don't get involved.
2: Or, or- So people
1: get scared of that.
2: Or they're saying they're they're talking really from a, a viewpoint of let's pay the let's really pay the least amount of premium.
1: Mm. We want
2: to do infinite banking, but we want to pay the least amount of premium. Yeah, I can promise that you. That doesn't make sense.
0: You go look at my high school. Um, what, what 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 records? What what they call your your a- academic? Re- no, my yearbook got pretty solid, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, Transcript. What, what do they call your transcripts? Your- <laughs> yeah, my transcripts. My transcript's not so solid. (laughs) And and do you know why the results of those transcripts were not so solid? It was not, it was, it was (laughs) lack of effort, minimal effort, right? (laughs) Minimal input received minimal results. (laughs) And, And I think that's, that's the point that you're bringing up there, Ernie, is that sometimes we want to put in the minimum and then we expect the maximum, but that's what Wall Street has taught us. Is oh Yeah. It, is it not right? Like right now, the market has been going up, 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 up up for the last 10 years. And we're like, boom, bang. Right. That that minimal input to receive maximum results. But that's not reality. That that only lasts for a little time.
1: That's right. Totally agree with that.
0: What do you guys think about that? What, what are the sort of thoughts? What are the sort of things are coming up and are creeping into people's
3: mind? You think, Mark, J.D.? I think, yeah, I think, oh, wow. Go ahead, Mark. I I think we should hear what JD has to say. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Well, if you put it that way, then yes, I will, I will go first. I agree. I I think people are looking for a magic bullet, right? You know, we're, we're, we're designed and marketed to so much from this perspective of what's the least amount I can do to get the most amount out. And I know I'm guilty of this all the time with working out, right? Like I want to go to the gym once and I want to be just you know, I want to look like Russ over there. You know, with the big muscles, right? There it is. There it is. <laughs> but you know, unfortunately, that takes it takes discipline. Yeah, you know, it it takes you know healthy eating. It takes being consistent with with going to the gym. Like it just you know, just like with anything in life that's worth doing, it just it takes different. Excuse me, it takes discipline. So I, I think I think oftentimes we get caught in this place of one looking for a magic bullet, but two, you know, thinking that IBC is something that it isn't.
4: What about you, Mark? I was going to actually uh, take off from, you know, Jay had the great comment. He said, you know, looking at this as an expense, you know, a a lot of what we do in our day-to-day is based on context. And if I'm looking at my premium as an expense, some people could then attach a, a connotation, a feeling to that. of like, Oh man, it's something I don't want to do. I don't like expenses. But if we go back to the gym metaphor or, you know, I'll, I'll use the beard one because you know, I'm Asian. So it takes me forever to grow a beard. So I've really got to put in some time and dedication. Whereas Joey gets to wake up in the morning and not shave and he's already caught up to me. You
1: know? so, so it's, That's it's, like Italian Italian roots, bro. Okay. Yeah.
4: And, 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 you know, just like JD said, we all want to go to the gym, park the car, walk inside, get a sip of water and walk back out and walk out the door like Arnold Schwarzenegger. But we've got to put some effort in. We've got to put some effort in, and then if if we're doing it because we're, we're we're wanting to get to that end game goal, then all of a sudden it's not it, it's it's not a task. It's not something that's that's bad.
0: Hey, Mark, I will say this. I know Joey wants to jump in here, but there are downfalls to growing hair very quickly. It comes out the <laughs> back of your shirt collar pretty quickly, too. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously,
1: let's go. What do you got right. What do you guys say? Well, about this? Well, I was going to jump in on what you were saying, Mark, as an expense and. Um, it, it was not uncommon for me as I was meeting with clients for them to say, well, when, when can I stop paying premiums? In light of this idea, so as soon as someone says that, I know that they think of this as an expense. Like, I, I only want to put in so much and then I want to reap the rewards. I don't want to continue to have to pay premiums. And I'll just walk you through kind of that conversation. I would say, well, when, when would you want to stop paying premiums? And I would say, show them the illustration. Go down to certain year. Let's say twenty years from now. Is that long enough? Or twenty five? Like when's the when's the longest you think you want to go? They would say, all right, let's twenty five years. I'd say, okay, well, let's look at that year in particular. And let's say they were putting in ten thousand dollars in their premium. And that particular year, I would look over at the cash value growth for that particular year. And let's say it was thirty five thousand. They put in ten thousand in a premium. And it has now increased their cash value by thirty five thousand. And I would point that out to them. They'd say, "Wow, that's pretty amazing." I say, "Well, if you had ten thousand dollars at that time, would you have anywhere else that you would want to put that that would give you no like guarantee that it's going to grow? It can't go down in value, and it's going to grow by as much as thirty five thousand. Is there any place that you would rather put it?" Well, they say no. Okay, well, then this is why we would continue to put premiums away into our banking system that we own and control. That's kind of like the conversation. And and then sometimes I would lead off with this a little differently. I'd say, (laughs) listen, if you ever get to the point where you want to stop paying premiums, you're going to have options. One of those is you can call the insurance company up and you can tell them, hey, I need to surrender this policy. I want to sell it back to you. And I say, in order, before you do that, I want you to call me because I want to buy your, your policy. And they would look at me like, what are you talking about? And I'd say, well, why do you think I would say that? And they would say, I don't know, must be something good about this that you want to keep long term. And I would then I would point out to them the growth in the policy down the years. And they would say, ah, okay, I see now. It's not necessarily an expense. It is something that is going to continue to grow and gain more and more value the older I have. So anyways, I just thought that conversation was interesting. Ernie,
2: you wanted to jump in there? Yeah, definitely. And I think what you're talking about there is not viewing the the policy premium as an expense. Well, then we've got to think about it like something else. So JD, uh, have you ever, can you think about a time where you've ever uh, haven't been able to go to sleep at night or been woken up and, and are just so worried. Have you ever thought to yourself, I just don't think I'm going to have enough money to put in my checking account. Has that ever been a concern for you?
3: Um, no, no, I can't say uh, that that's actually been a concern of mine, that I'm not going to have enough money to put into, into my checking account.
2: And why, why is that?
3: Well, I mean, because I, I know that I'm, I'm going to get up and go to work. Right, like I know that I'm going to earn income, and so I know that that you know, in exchange for that that work, like I'm I'm going to be compensated for for that.
2: Mm-hmm. And when you earn the income, the, the checking account just becomes the place where you put it before it goes somewhere else before you direct it. That's out correct. Count to something else. So I wonder. That's my, correct. The thing that probably people do stay up at night and are so concerned with is, man, I just don't know if I'm going to have enough money to pay my bills. Yeah. And if you view the insurance policy like an expense, you could be worried about that. And there's good reasons. In the very beginning of the policy, you know, there is some expense. We don't get access to everything. Uh, But I I think that this policy becomes the place where we put the cash before we direct it to somewhere else. And if, if we're going to work, like JD is saying, or if we're deploying that cash to create income streams, well, man, that even lessens our likelihood of being woken up at night worrying if we're going to be able to pay our bills.
0: Well, and I think that's the what we're, I mean, the reason we have this discussion every single Tuesday is based upon, it's one of the financial foundations that we're implementing in our journey to financial freedom, right? The The thing is right now for most of us is that we're depending 100% on our active income. And and in a lot of our situations, we don't control whether it happens, right? We can get the phone call. I mean, Mark is on this call. He was a pilot. He was flying. And he got a call from the airline and said, hey, by the way, you're we're, grounded. We're, yeah, You're grounded. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't think Mark ever got grounded much as a kid, as good as Mark is, but he got grounded by the airlines. <laughs> we, we've all had situations in our life where that potentially could happen to us and our our incomes could stop. But our goal with financial freedom is to create outside streams of income. And if you listen to our passive income report, you hear Joey and I talking about six or seven or eight different ways in which we're trying to bring income in. So when you think about it like that, if you're actually active on this journey to financial freedom, you'll stop worrying about can you pay the bills? Because what you're going to do we're not guaranteed our short-term rental business will last forever. We're not guaranteed our land flipping business will last forever. not guaranteed that Joey will keep losing money in the e-commerce <laughs> space, but <laughs> these are things that exist, right? <laughs> but there are for right. different forms of income that we have coming in that help us in different times. So I, I would, I want to end with this though, as we we start to wrap up, right? Is, is talk about what is the plan? What are, what are some of those active things though? If, if, things did go crazy, how do we respond and how can we avoid one of the fears? Because one of the fears exists, if you've been reading a line, is if I if I surrender this policy or if the policy lapses, meaning I quit paying it and ultimately the loans get so big that they're greater than my cash values, if it, if that amount of money was greater than what, I, what I'd taken out, than what I put in, I could pay taxes on it, right? So how do we help people
1: put to bed that one fear? Because there are things that we actually can do, right? Well, I already mentioned one that I practically did, and that was borrowing from the cash value that was available to pay the premiums that were due. And that is a, it's a band-aid of sorts. It's not something that you want to do forever, but it's definitely something that I employed to get me through a spot where I literally had no income and was building a business from scratch. So that's one option that kind of that people need to know are available. What's
2: another them? option, Ernie? Well, in Joey's scenario, it sounded like this was pretty early on in the policy still, so you're probably still paying that paid-up edition rider. That's right. Another option is to work the flexibility of the premium. You don't necessarily have to pay that paid-up edition rider.
1: Right. In, in, fact, in fact, I actually did drop that uh, paid-up editions rider. At that time, it was like after my fourth or fifth okay. premium. And so I didn't have to continue to pay sixty. It dropped down to like twenty four or something mm-hmm. like that. All right,
0: okay, cool. So That's you awesome.
1: Can pay the minimum. To your point.
0: All right, uh, Mark. What's another option someone could uh, deploy in order to help them avoid the policy being surrendered or lapsed?
4: Well, uh, but before we jump into that, with all of these, um, we always recommend give us a call we can help you find some of these opportunities for you. You don't have to manage this by yourself. You're not on your own. Um, Another another opportunity for us is to take a look at, hey, what is our premium frequency? You know, if we're on an annual, are we on a monthly? There are opportunities for us to move that scale within the confines of our policy. And that could free you up. If Joey had a huge uh, base and a PUA due on an annual, well, what if we divided that up over 12 months? would we now have a lower amount that we would have to come up with? Yeah. Good point.
0: J.D., what
4: do you think?
3: Um, Dividends, right? We can, uh, we can use dividends to offset premiums, uh, which would certainly could help. You can, um, uh, I think a worst case scenario uh, would be taking your policy uh, reduced paid up, but at least you can keep it in force and now you own policy free and clear forever and the policy is just going to continue to grow and grow and grow and you don't forfeit or lose what you've started you know so i mean there's there are so many options i think that are available to people beyond just well if i can't fund it then i gotta i gotta cancel it
1: now wait so jd i i know what you mean by reduce paid up and we've actually mentioned a couple times on this round table Mm -hmm. uh, in the inner circle specifically we've even illustrated that but just kind of give us a quick overview of what how what actually happens in that process.
3: Yeah, great question. So when you take a policy reduced paid up, what that means is that the, the insurance company is going to calculate all of the premiums that you have put into the policy up to that point. And they're going to determine how much total life insurance has those premiums purchased up until that point. And so you could have originally purchased a million dollar life insurance policy right. And only put in, you know, say hundred thousand dollars into the coffee only, right. But put in hundred thousand dollars in the contract over a certain period of time, to say, okay, I can't do it anymore. I want to take it reduced, paid up. Well, they're going to say, well, how much death benefit would that or did that hundred thousand dollars of contributions buy you? And then whatever that dollar amount is that now becomes your new death benefit that you own free and clear the premium stop. And now you own a life insurance policy with that death benefit and whatever the cash values are at that time, that now just continues to grow going forward.
0: Well, you know, there was this one other really cool option, and Nelson used to share it with us every single time we would get together during one of his ten-hour seminars. And we're going to go into the inner circle right now and let's talk about that. I want to show that example. So for everyone else, we are so excited um, for you to join us in the inner circle. All you need to do is go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash inner circle. And you can come back and watch this recording, but also participate uh, every, uh, every week with us going forward. So have an amazing day. Thank you for
2: listening. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that
3: your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.